Good morning. Would you grab the hand of the person next to you as we pray together? Uh, God, thank you for this morning. Thank you for bringing us here, God. I know that you have something amazing, amazing, amazing planned for us this morning. So I pray that we would be open, that our ears would be open to what it is that you're speaking, God, through your scripture this morning. I pray that your Holy Spirit would reveal something that's never been revealed to us, God, and that just this morning would be an awakening in our hearts for what it is that you're trying to do in each and every one of us. In the name of Jesus, amen. Amen. So first off, before I do anything, I have to say good morning to my mom in California. They're, my mom and my dad are watching this in California, so good morning to you guys. But, uh, so as Pastor John said, my wife Adrian and I uh, moved here from Southern California uh, last, uh, was that July? July 1st we moved here. Uh, my wife and I got married last November, November 14th of last year. We got married, uh, and then we, and then we, uh, we sent our resumes over here in May. Uh, they flew us out a couple weeks later, and then we uh, flew out and moved out July 1st. So it was kind of a whirlwind of God just doing something amazing. Uh, moving us here. We keep getting asked quite a lot of questions about where we lived at. We lived uh, about two and a half hours, about two hours northeast of Los Angeles. Uh, If you've ever seen Forrest Gump, uh, where he just stops running, where he's like, one day I just stopped and he's like in the middle of the desert. That's like where we lived. It was like desert beyond belief. If you've ever seen Fast and the Furious, all those desert scenes were filmed in our uh, hometown. So uh, we just like came from the desert, desert area, and then we came here. It was like an oasis, like just green as can be. Uh, and then we quickly realized why it is so green, and it is just humid and humid. <laughs> yes, and uh, it rains constantly here, we've realized. Well, for you guys, it probably, like if it's, it goes like by like a week, you guys are like, man, we're in a drought. But it rains like three times a year where we come from. So it is uh, pretty awesome to be here. But uh, we're going to be talking today about the miraculous. We have these t-shirts that say miracles still happen. If you like them, we'll have some on sale next week uh, from the youth ministry. These are some of our t-shirts. We'll be selling them if you want uh, some of those next week. But if you have your Bible, we're going to be in the book of Exodus this morning. Exodus chapter 2. If you want to turn with me there. Exodus chapter 2. Give you a second to turn there. So just to give you a little bit of a backstory of what we're talking about today, we're talking about a guy named Moses. Somebody say Moses. Moses. Okay, guys, say it louder than that. I feel like I'm with the teenagers. Here we go. Okay. Someone say Moses. Moses. There we go. So uh, Moses had this amazing, amazing story. Uh, At this time, right when he was born, Pharaoh was having all of the newborn boys killed, thrown out and then uh, he was born and his mom didn't want that to happen. She put him in a basket, sent him down the river. Then all of the sudden, uh, he somehow ends up in the care of the Pharaoh's daughter, grows up basically as the Pharaoh's grandson, even though he's a Hebrew, the people that they were trying to get rid of. And then through all of this, he grows up. uh, And then uh, the Hebrew people at this point had been in slavery for about 300 years in Egypt. And God uses him miraculously to lead about 600,000 men, not counting their families, just 600,000 men 
out of Egypt, out of slavery, into freedom. And God just did an amazing, miraculous thing. There was a number of um, plagues and miracles that happened through Moses through this entire time. And then they went into the promised land that they were just followed by a ton, a ton of miraculous things. But where we picked this up is before really any miraculous things had happened. He had just become an adult. This is really the first instance that we see of him as an adult here in Exodus chapter 2. So we're going to be in Exodus chapter 2, verse 11. It says, one day when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked upon their burdens. Somebody say burdens. And he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, why do you strike your companion? He answered, who made you prince and judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses, but Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Lord, I pray that you would speak through the scripture, that it would breathe new life to us today, that we would have a new understanding. In the name of Jesus, amen. You see, moving here to a new climate, we've learned that there was all kinds of things that we had to prepare for this thing you guys have here called winter. Uh, we're not that well acquainted with winter in California. It just drops a little bit in temperature, but that's about it. That's all that really changes in California. We just have hot and like less hot. That's really all there is uh, where we're from. But uh, people have been asking me, a lot of guys, like, have you gotten an ice scraper yet? I'm like, what do you need an ice scraper for? Like making, you know, snow cones or something? They're like, no, you need, you need an ice scraper for your window. Oh, do you have a shovel? You're going to need to shovel snow. I'm like, what? Like this is, this is just a crazy, crazy situation. And when we first moved here, we had the idea, we're like, you know, it is so much colder there. and We don't have any winter clothes. We're just going to go in the summer and buy a ton of winter clothes. So we're like, let's do it. So like the, the first like three days we were here, we were just hitting the mall, like, like racking up all the sale items, just getting jackets and everything. Because we're like, man, this is a new climate. Let's, we need to get jackets. We need to do all this stuff. Because in this new climate, there's a necessity for something different. And throughout history, the climate changes. And as the climate changes, there's a different amount of necessity during these times. And in our country, the climate has kind of been changing the past couple decades. We've been seeing something happen in our country that hasn't happened in quite a while. Even in our world, there's been so much happening that the climate has changed and there's something that needs to change within us. There's something that we need to do in this new climate. God wants to do the miraculous through us in this new climate. God has set us up for this miraculous thing. God, all the time people ask me, why in the world would you move here from California? Why in the, we love Peoria. We're like, I don't know, we love Peoria. But for us, when God spoke to us and said, you know what, I want you to come to Peoria, we said, all right, God, you must be setting us up for something. You're putting us in this place because we know that you're going to do something amazing in this city. And then the same way, each and every one of us has been set up. 
just like Moses. For some crazy reason, he ended up in Pharaoh's house. All this crazy stuff happened. He was, he, the Pharaoh knew him by name. All this crazy stuff had happened. God set him up for something to happen. Each and every one of us have been set up for something to happen in our lives. But there becomes a lot more than just the setup. For those of you that parents, you can't just put your kids at a table and put homework in front of them, set them up and walk away and just say, let's see what happens. You know, we're going we're gonna to be gone for the weekend. I hope you got, you know, we set you up for success. Do what you need. That's not the way it works. If you have little kids and you put homework there, you need to keep walking by, peeking on them, right? Hey, hey, you better be doing your homework. You better be doing this. You better be doing that, right? There's more than just the setup. If you've ever baked before, you have to get everything ready. My mom's a professional baker, so growing up, she was always baking stuff, and you always had to do the prep. You had to get the flour out. You had to get the eggs. You had to do all this stuff, and you had to set it up. But then there's more to it than just the setup. You actually have to start baking. You have to start putting stuff together. And God has set us all up, but there's a little bit more that has to happen. You see, and there's a word that the Lord has really been laying on my heart this past couple weeks. And it was a word that I previously had not really uh, associated with God. When you hear God, there's all these words like love, mercy, grace, you know, all these like beautiful words that you can put on greeting cards. You know what I mean? Like just these beautiful words. And I was reading through the book of Jeremiah as God was speaking to Jeremiah about Israel and how horrible they are and they need to repent. And he used this word justice. And I'm like, whoa, Jesus, that's very Batman-esque of you, you know? It's like, I thrive for justice, you know? And I was like, wow, justice. You know, Psalms tells us that for the Lord loves justice. He will not forsake his saints. They were preserved forever, but the children of the wicked shall be cut off. That the Lord loves justice. It's like, okay, God, justice. That, like, I don't remember covering that, like, in elementary school, like, when I went through, uh, you know, my Sunday school classes. It wasn't, you know, today, kids, we're learning about justice. You know, that wasn't something that we learned about. But we see here in Moses that this was really the turning point in his life. This was really the turning point when the miraculous happened. When he saw an injustice happening, he's, it did something inside of him. For him, he was, justice needs to be served. He saw his own people in slavery, his own people bound, and it did something inside of him. He all of a sudden had a desire to do something. And in our country, we don't necessarily have slavery, but we we have slaves definitely in the United States. There are people that have been bound by Satan. There are all kinds of things in our country that people are subject to, addictions, poverty, all these things that are going on in our, in our uh, country that need to be taken care of, that when we see them, it should stir something inside of us, that we should strive for justice, that we shouldn't just be all about you know, worship and prayer and all these things, but inside of us, the Lord loves justice. When we look at our world, we need to see justice and act on it in order for the miraculous to happen. You see, the next thing we see is that Moses had to become aware of what was happening. You see, Moses grew up in Pharaoh's house. There was no reason for Pharaoh to be out digging ditches. He was like Pharaoh's grandson. He's used to the palace. He's used to the rich life. 
There was no reason for him to be out in the fields. But yet for him, he was like, you know what? I'm going to get out of my normal place. I'm going to go see what's happening. And once he saw what was happening, he was, he was enraged by what was happening. You see, in some of us, we're used to the same circle that we've always been in. We go to the same stores we've always been to. We go to the same restaurant we've always been to. We take the same way to get to work we've always been to. And then we just get in this habit, and if we don't see it, then it's not happening. But then when we take the time to get out of our little bubble, out of our little circle, and see what's actually going on, it's going to stir something inside of you. If you've never taken a tour of the Dream Center, you have to. You just have to, have to, have to. The, uh, the district youth director from Assemblies of God was here last night, and Andy and I with Teresa and our, and our wives, we were here. We were showing them around the Dream Center, and I remember the first time I saw the Dream Center. And, and Andy was talking about how, you know, there's so much need that's going on in our city. There's so much that's happening. It stirred something inside of me. That was the moment when we came and interviewed that we were like, we have to come here. God is doing something here that we have to do something. You see, but our country doesn't necessarily have an awareness issue. It's not exactly, like, especially because of social media, all these things, there's not exactly an awareness issue. We're all aware of a lot of things that were going on. We're all aware that there's race issues. We're all aware that there's some economic issues going on in our, in our country. It's like if I brought that up, you wouldn't be like, oh, my gosh, that's happening? What are you talking? You'd be like, yeah, that's happening, right? It's something that's happening. We've all been exposed to it, but awareness must always lead to action. Awareness must always, always, always lead to action. Moses saw with his eyes, my people are enslaved. I better do something about it. And Eugene Cho in his book, Overrated, uh, are we more in love with the idea of changing the world than actually changing the world? He says this, if only Facebook had always been around, our broken world would have been fixed long ago. All you have to do is to make the world a better place is to change your profile picture or status update. Just think, Dr. King wouldn't have needed to march, Gandhi wouldn't have needed to gone on a hunger strike, and Mother Teresa would have never needed to actually touch the sick or a poor person. They could have just let everyone know their opinion on Facebook, and everything would have changed for the better. We, it's funny because we laugh about this, but this is, especially being a youth pastor, we see this constantly, right? Just because I posted something, I'm an activist. You know, oh, this was a good video. I shared it. I'm an activist, you know? I became aware of this, you know? It's breast cancer awareness. We're pink. We're aware. Okay, we're aware. All right, what's happening after that, right? We, we do an ice bucket challenge, and then what? It was fun. All right, that was, that was it. Our country has become all about, we get the satisfaction of, I made people aware. We, we do all this, but God isn't just a God of awareness. God actually wants to do something. God desires people to do something. 
You see the chapter after this, God shows up to Moses. Moses ran away from the city, all this stuff. God shows up to him in the form of a burning bush and begins to talk to him. And if you notice, God didn't speak to him and show up to him like in that moment where justice happened. He spoke to him afterwards. He came up to him and said, you know what? You actually did something. I need more people like you. You actually did something. Now I want to use you to go and make a difference in this city. In the same way, we have to actually do something. We actually have to do something. All the time, Adrian and I catch ourselves. Because as many of you guys know, sometimes teenagers aren't the funnest people to hang out with. Sometimes there's just some of those teenagers for us that we're just like, Lord, be with us. Right? Like... And, and we'll just get so frustrated. How could they make this decision? How could they do this? How could they do that? Why? Who their parents? You know, we're just, just all this stuff happens. And then God just deals with us every time. Well, you're their pastor. Why don't you do something about it? Oh, right, God. I can't, I, I can't just point out problems. Pointing out problems just adds noise. If, if you're not part of the solution, you're just continuing to be part of the problem, right? God doesn't need people that can just point fingers. Oh, our judicial system's messed up. Oh, there's some poor people in our city. Oh, that's going on. God doesn't need finger pointers. He needs people that are willing to step up and actually do something. That when God stirs and you become aware, you actually need to go and do something. But there's a couple things that kind of stop us from this. There's some things that stop us from stepping in and going for it. You see, the miraculous, it requires sacrifice. It requires so much sacrifice from us. I remember uh, when I first became a youth pastor, I had this student ask me. They said, I can't believe in God. I was like, why can't you uh, believe in God? He goes, if, if there's a God, why are there people starving in Africa? I said, that's, that's, that's kind of a good point. He said, and why are there people in our city that are doing this and doing that and doing this and doing that? Why, why is all this going on? Why are so many people suffering in the world? And I looked at him. I said, Do you, he, I said are there a lot of rich people in the world? He said, yeah. I said, okay, do you think if all the richest people in the world put their money together and went to help all the poorest people in the world, do you think the world would be a better place? He said, oh, yes, the world would be such a better place. And I said, so really, it's not a God issue. It's an obedience issue from his people. He was like, oh. So, so many times the issues that are going on aren't because that God's not there. God is there. He's speaking to us. When you walk down the street and you get angry with something and you get irritated with it, that's usually God's way of telling you to do something. But what's happening is God's people aren't obedient to his voice and listening and doing something. So therefore, God's kind of getting a bad name about it. That, oh, God's not doing this. God's not doing that. No, God's not the one that has an issue. It's his followers that have an issue. You see, 1 Corinthians chapter 4 tells us that we are God's ambassadors. Like, Jesus isn't walking the streets anymore. You can't find Jesus somewhere. You can't go visit him, have, you know, meetings with him, talk to him. He's not walking around healing people. He's not. He's not doing that anymore. 
He's in heaven. He's sitting at the right hand of God. But when he left, he told his disciples, I need you guys to become Jesus. I need you guys to become Jesus for your city. Because they don't have any other Jesus. They can't actually see Jesus. Your neighbors see you. They actually see you. They see the way you take care of your yard. They see the way you raise your kids. They see all this. They see it. Jesus isn't here anymore, and we need to be obedient to the stirring of God in our life to become Jesus to our city again and to actually do something with our awareness. You see, but Moses was willing to take the sacrifice. He knew if I, if I do this, it's going to mess some things up. I live in a palace with the Pharaoh. I have a high standing in society right now. Things are really good. I have a really high social standing. But if I stand up for my people, that's not going to be a very popular idea. My grandfather is the one that's in charge of the slavery. And if I rise up against slavery, that's not really going to be a popular idea. I can't really go home anymore. But for him, he realized this isn't about me. This isn't about my social standing. I'm willing to make the sacrifice so that God's people can be freed. You see, in order for the miraculous to happen, we need to understand why the miraculous even happens in the first place. The miraculous isn't something that God has given us in order for people to be wowed and amazed and believe in him. That's, that's not why the miraculous was given. We actually, see, uh, we actually see in the book of John 12, 37, it says this about Jesus. Jesus was going through the city. He was healing people, raising the dead, doing all this stuff. And it says this, though he had done so many signs before them, they still did not believe him. That all these signs and miracles and all these things aren't so God can be like, woohoo, look at me. That's not... God's not an insecure God. God doesn't need that. Scripture says the skies alone proclaim the glory of his name. Like, it's just looking at creation, God is just an amazing God. The miraculous God has given us is to set people free. That's the sole purpose of the miraculous. It's not for us. It's not for just to, like, be, oh, look at this miraculous happen. You have to believe in God now. That's not necessarily what it is. We shouldn't be doing the miraculous just to prove someone wrong. That's not our goal and pursuing the gifts and pursuing these things. Our goal is when we open up our eyes and look at the city, we should see people that are in bondage. Our heart should break for that. And we should desire the miraculous so that those chains can be broken. It's a totally, totally different way to look at it. And when we look at that, then we're willing to make the sacrifice. Then we're willing to say, you know what? God put it on my heart to give to the dream center this month. It's going to take sacrifice, but I'm going to do it. You know what? We're doing an outreach this week, and it's my nephew's birthday party. I could go to the birthday party, or I could tell my whole family I'm not going to be there because, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go help the poor. I'm going to go help the sick. We have choices in our life. And if you want to see the miraculous start to unveil in your life, you have to be willing to make the sacrifice. The last thing that really holds us back from the miraculous is this sense of risk. The miraculous is kind of a risky thing. Stepping out and seeking justice is kind of a risky thing. You see, Moses didn't exactly plan this all out. I think when we're little kids and we think about, you know, growing up in, 
if you grew up in um, Sunday school and all these things, you don't really wrap your mind around how many people really left Egypt. It says 600,000 men. That's just men. That's not counting the women, the children, not counting any of that. We could safely assume there was well over a million people that left out of this. I don't think Moses had like a feeding plan for a million people. You see, Egypt was where the business was. It's where agriculture was. It's where they had a source of food. They had a source of life. They had all this stuff there. And God just said, I'm going to set the people free and you're going to run away out of this Egypt place. You know, he wasn't like, okay, well, give me six months to come up with a food plan and a distribution plan. And, you know, we're going to have to have shelter. You know, we're going to have to have, make clothing somehow. We're going to have to make sandals somehow. He didn't do that. There was a, he didn't have it all planned out. He's like, all right, I'm going to go to Pharaoh. We're going to talk to him. Let's see what happens. And the craziest stuff happens. They leave out of Egypt. Their sandals never wear out. What? Every morning, they walk outside of their tent, and there was bread. Every morning. What? Like, just, oh, here's bread. The miraculous happened each and every day for them because they were willing to take the risk. They were willing to say, I don't know how this is going to pan out. I really don't. All I know is God saying, leave Egypt. So we're going to leave Egypt and go into this desert, this wilderness. It wasn't like God was calling them to some glamorous place. I want you to go to the desert. Okay, let's do it. So many times, if we can't wrap our minds around what God is trying to do, we're not down for it. God, you want me to move there? What am I going to do for work? What am I... What school district are my kids going to be in? What about this? What about that, God? And we try and have a whole plan out. But when we hold ourselves back for a plan, we miss out on the miraculous. If you can do it, it's not necessarily a miracle. Right? Just by definition of the word. Like, if we can do it, it's not really the That's natural. Right? If you want the miraculous to happen, you have to be okay with the fact that you're not the one that does it. So many times students tell me they don't understand the supernatural. You know, I don't understand speaking in tongues. I don't understand that. I don't understand this. How, how can you be part of a religion where you don't understand anything? I'm like, that's why I'm part of the religion. You know, God does so many things that we don't understand because he's God. If I could understand everything about God, he wouldn't be God anymore. He would be a man because I could understand him. When God speaks to you, you're not going to understand it because he's God. His ways are not your ways. His ways are higher than your ways. And we have to be okay with that. We have to be okay with saying, you know what, God, here's my hard-earned money. God, I only have a couple hours on the weekend this, this month. God, you want me to move my family here? God, you want me to start helping with kids? God, kids cry. You want me to help with reaction? Really, God? He's saying, yes, I do. But what if they throw up on me? Just do it. (laughs) And we have to be willing to take what is so precious to us and give it to God. 
We have to be willing to take the risk. You see, this is a church of risk. I don't know if you guys, if you haven't been here before, you're quickly going to realize we're kind of a risky church. Our pastor left England to come to Illinois. Okay. Then he came across the river, planted a church in downtown. Then all of a sudden, God provided this amazing building. Then all of a sudden, through a move of God, we, we purchased a YMCA building. And there's a dream center there that houses people every single night that's helping the community all the time. This is a church where God speaks and we move. This is a church when we hear the voice of God, we don't necessarily take 10 years to plan out a scenario for it. We say, God, you're moving. We're following. God, you're doing something. I don't know how it's going to happen, but that's why the miraculous happens. And I pray that for each and every one of you. Mark chapter 16. Mark chapter 16. We see this thing called the Great Commission that many of us know about. Jesus, he says, you know what? I, you know, it's right before Jesus was about to ascend into heaven. Jesus had already been crucified. He had been raised again. He had been spent some time on the earth with the disciples. Um, and then he comes to them right before he sends to heaven and he tells them a couple things. And we kind of miss out on everything that is said here. Half of this kind of makes it onto like an encouraging Instagram post, but not the entire thing. Mark chapter 16, starting in verse 15, and he said to them, go into all the world and proclaim the gospel to the whole creation. That's like, the, yes, we're going to go out. But then he tells them, these are what really the people that are in my name, this is what they look like. He says this, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved and whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. Okay, listen to this. In my name, they will cast out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up serpents with their hand. And if they drink any deadly poison, it will not hurt them. They will lay their hands on the sick and they will recover. This is New Testament. This is like, this is for us. This isn't Old Testament. This is anything. God is saying in the end times... I'm going to pour my spirit on on these people and I want you to go and I want you to reach all of the world. And if you put your hand, your life in my hands, this is what's going to happen. You're going to go and there's going to be people that are oppressed. There's going to be people that are bound and they're going to be freed in my name. There's people that are sick. You're going to pray for them and they're going to be healed. When Jesus told the disciples to go out and Matthew he says this, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the, cleanse the lepers. It, it wasn't like just general stuff. God wants us to work in the miraculous each and every day. And so I challenge you that as you're walking out in the city and you, and you see a homeless person and it stirs something up inside of you, do something. When you have a waiter or waitress that is really irritating you. Pray with them. You see, because God, he took a chance on you. God is asking you to take a chance on him 
but he was the one that first died for you. You see, God loves us so much that he gave what was most precious to him for us. He said, I'm taking my son and I believe in you. So I'm going to sacrifice him for you. While you were still sinners, while you were still messed up, Book of Romans tells us Jesus died for you. He didn't look at you and say, man, he really reads his Bible every day. I'm going to die for him. doesn't say that. It says he's a sinner, but you know what? I'm going to take a chance on him. I'm going to take a risk on him, and I'm going to sacrifice my son for him. And through the blood of my son, they will be saved, and their life will be forever changed. Would you, would you stand with me this morning? Uh, with every head bowed, every eye closed, uh, I, just, I just don't want you to be distracted right now. Every eye closed, every head bowed right now. I think God's releasing something into you today. Lord, right now there's people in this room that you're speaking to. You're tugging on their heart, God. Lord, I believe there's people in this room that have never experienced your love. Lord, you took a risk for them. Lord, you gave them a chance for their life to be forever changed, God. Oh, Jesus. Lord, there's some people in this room that you're calling to a much greater life. Something beyond anything they've ever experienced. They don't know it yet, God, but there's something stirring inside of them. There's something they need to start. There's something they need to take care of. God, I pray that that would just come to their mind in this moment. Oh, Lord Jesus. God's releasing a fresh vision in your life in this moment. He's calling your name. He's saying, come. I have a new plan for you. Come, I'm going to bring such blessing into your life. If you listen to my voice, if you follow me, your life will be forever changed. God has set each and every one of us up for the miraculous. It's up to you as to whether you're going to listen to the voice of God and follow through with what he has. So today... If you've never experienced the the life that Jesus has for you, if you're saying, you know what, I want my life to be transformed by Jesus, I'm going to ask you to take a chance and come to the altar in this moment, right now. If you're saying, I want to experience Jesus, I want you to come to the altar right now, if that's you. have some of the prayer team here to pray with you. Jesus. Jesus, Jesus. Now for for everyone else, 
if you want something new from God, if you want to see the miraculous happen in your life, I want you to raise your hands. Head bowed, eyes closed, raise your hands. And I want you to say a prayer with me. This isn't a magic prayer. This isn't a prayer that once you repeat it, it's a recipe for success. I'm just helping you say what's inside your heart. So today, if you want the miraculous to happen in your life, I want you to repeat after me. Say, dear Jesus. Say it again. Say, dear Jesus. My life is in your hands. Stir in me something new. Lord, speak so I can hear. Lord, I will follow your every move. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hug somebody. Give somebody a hug. Come on. Give somebody a hug. You know, as we... We're going to sing another song right now in worship. And I pray that as we sing this, as we worship, that your ears would be open to what it is that God is calling each and every one of us to. Thank you.